This is for you. Now entering the game for Philly Press Box Radio, Bill Furman and Jim Chet Chesco. It's Tuesday, November 26, 2019. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. Hey, Chet, the Eagles now have back-to-back home losses after a stinker against the Seattle Seahawks. But good news is ahead as the schedule gets much more favorable. The Flyers have won two or three after last night's two-to-one win against Vancouver, but shootouts are not their friend. And the Sixers have won four of five, losing last night in Toronto with Joel Embiid going scoreless. <laughs> Lots of wild stuff in recent days, Bill. The Flyers getting a much-needed W in that Monday night game, as you mentioned. Jake Voracek showing signs of life the last couple of games. The Sixers coughing up a six-point lead up in Toronto where the Raptors scored the last ten points of the game, a game that I still can't figure out. Joel Embiid not scoring a point. I don't know how that even happens. The real focus, though, Bill, I think has to be what's going on with the Eagles, who have maybe the worst set of receivers in the NFL right now. Hopefully they'll get a couple of these mediocre guys back at least this week. But we have a quarterback who we thought was a top-five guy who all of a sudden is playing like a guy who's a bit confused about how to play the position and who doesn't seem to have the confidence needed by an NFL quarterback. Yeah, the schedule gets easier these next few weeks, but – He's going to be under the microscope, microscope big time these next several games. Well, and, and you know, uh, we've got great guests tonight in Inquire.com's Mike Sielski, legendary Philly DJ Debbie Calton, and of course Fred Hugo will be here to talk fantasy football and make our fearless picks. But I'll tell you, Chet, I, I'm anxious to hear uh, what Mike has to say about the Eagles. He wrote a, a very interesting piece on it came out in Monday. Um, Interesting to hear about that because some things have changed a little bit. All the things you said are true. The uh, the receivers are not very good, but I'm not sure that it's all on Carson Wentz. So it'll be interesting to talk to Mike about that. Yeah, Mike's always a great guest. And the interview with Debbie Calton, by the way, was taped ahead of time. But i got to tell you, it's extremely entertaining. They worked with Debbie briefly in the mid-'90s when she moved from YSP to MGK, and I was doing weekend news down the hall at the old WPEN 950 AM, and I'd supply her with news headlines and weather and stuff. And I learned right away that she was and still is one of the nicest people in the business. But let's talk football and Sixers and whatever else with Mike right now, okay? All right. Let's welcome Mike Sielski back to Philly Press Box Radio. Mike, welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, Mike. Uh, you know, we never have a shortage of topics for you, so let's get right to it. With the birds, you, you wrote a piece right after Sunday's second straight home loss and it was headlined, the Eagles told us who they really are in their loss to the Seahawks, and it's nothing to celebrate. So, Mike, who or what is this Eagles team right now? They're a very mediocre, inconsistent team. Um, and I, what stood out to me in the aftermath of that game was how kind of outwardly confident some of the players were uh, that they would turn this thing around, from Carson Wentz to Brandon Graham. You know, this was, hey, we got five games left long way to go don't worry I'm confident in these guys yada 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 and I I think to a degree the guys in that locker room have to take a good long look at where they're at and how they got here Um, because 
Um, that's not they to me do not seem to be the kind of team that even given their relatively easy schedule remaining this season, um, they don't seem to me the kind of team that's going to run off you know four wins out of five or all five wins and you know win all five of their final games. I don't care how bad the the opposition is. Um, they just don't strike me that way. They make too many mistakes. They've had too many injuries. There's too many things that are going wrong. And, uh, you know, I think you saw a little bit of that Sunday. That was a winnable game against a good team, and they were really never in it. And, you know, they got to they got to figure out – I shouldn't say figure out. They've got to reconcile themselves to who they are and what they need to do to, to you know, to win football games. Well, Mike, in that article you quoted, uh, Carson is saying, a lot of confidence in myself to fix things I can correct. Each guy is going to do his part and get it to get it fixed. We're going to turn the page real quick. We're going to learn from things. And do you do you feel there's a little more meaning to that now that we saw? I, I guess everybody has seen the Dan Orlowski, uh, uh breakdown of the receivers not doing the things uh, that they were supposed to do. Uh, and then you look at Carson says, "I'll fix the things I can correct." A lot more meaning to that. It seems with a little more information. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, and I thought Dan's video was enlightening and excellent and, you know, really um, took, took viewers, um, put them at a level that they're not often at, um, that, you know, an analyst during the game really can't uh, provide them that perspective because it's all happening in real time. And, and it was great that Dan did that. But the flip side of that, of course, is that Carson still missed Zach Ertz, you know, on a, you know, an early throw that would have extended a drive. He still overshot Miles Sanders on that screen pass by five yards. He's still holding the ball at times too long. Um, he's got to learn to throw the ball away and live to see another down. Uh, he's got to protect the football better. Um, so while it's not all on him, and I think anybody who comes away from these games saying, you know, the Eagles have a, you know, they should have kept Nick Foles or they shouldn't have given Carson Wentz the money or anything like that is a little ridiculous and overwrought. Um, that doesn't mean that Wentz can't play better, and it doesn't mean that he doesn't need to play better. Um, I think what it means is he's not necessarily superhuman, um, which, you know, is both, you know, uh, realistic and understandable. But by the same token, you know, people have very high expectations for him because he got the big contract, because he played so well in 2017. So um, is it all his fault? Of course not. But, but there is more that he can do. Yeah, I'm still missing the Carson Wentz of 2017. I hope we see him again. Now, Mike, down 14 points in the fourth quarter. The Eagles forced a turnover, and the defense sprinted to the end zone to celebrate and pose as if they were taking a family photo. Rodney McLeod and Brandon Graham defended that action Monday, said they'd do it again. I'm personally not a fan of that sort of thing when your team is down by two touchdowns. What's your view? Oh, I actually asked McLeod about that directly after the game. I was, I was not a fan of it either, and I'm not, you know, it's it's convenient nowadays to say oh you're you're old school or you don't like to have fun or you're you know uh, lighten up and that sort of thing but there's a time and a place I mean it's one thing if you're ahead by first of all I I don't know that any football team as I pointed out in the column to my knowledge no football team or no fan base has ever been inspired by an end zone celebration. I've never had a, a coach or a player tell me after a game, you know, we were really down and out in that game. But then we did our end zone dance, and that changed everything, okay? So this whole idea that, that you know, by doing a, a, a choreographed end zone dance, the Eagles' defense was going to inspire their team to victory is ridiculous on its face. And then there's simply a matter of timing. I mean, you're down two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, 
and you're kind of acting like that's irrelevant, like you just did this amazing thing. Well, your offense hasn't done anything all day. There's a time and a place to celebrate. And being down 14 points in a game you're probably going to lose um, in, in a very important game is, not, is neither the time nor the place to do that kind of celebration. And it just seems to me that it, it's not the biggest thing in the world, but it is a thing. It's an indication of kind of where guys' heads are at. And if you're thinking about that at that moment, um, and you're worrying about that at that moment, then you're not worrying about something else. And, you know, I think we see that reflected in the way, for instance, the wide receivers are either being coached or not listening to the coaching. Um, I think it, it, you're seeing that in kind of the, the, the lack of detail-oriented play that we've seen from the Eagles for most of this season. Hey, Mike, uh, the, speaking of the wide receivers, and, and Howie Roseman's starting to take some heat. Every, everybody's taking heat, I guess, after these last two games. But, uh, you know, is it, is it really possible for a general manager and a coach to put together a team and expect their three, their three starting wide receivers to all be out at one time? You're not going to have necessarily ever have five starters uh, on your roster. Is that is that fair to Roseman, or should he be able to do better? Well, here's the thing about that. You know, the, and I made this point earlier this season uh, with respect to the cornerbacks when they were struggling so much. Um, you know, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is a second-round pick. Matt Collins was a fourth-round pick who they kept on the roster um, despite the fact that he missed an entire season last year because of an injury. You know, these aren't guys that – those aren't guys that they just picked up off the street. Same thing with Sidney Jones. You know, they ran Sidney Jones out there and, and had to bench him because he wasn't playing well. These guys aren't undrafted free agents who you had to sign because, you know, everybody was injured. These are draft picks. These guys have to be able to play, and they have to be able to contribute a little bit. And yet, you know, if you watch that, that Orlovsky video that we, that we referenced earlier – it's Ortega Whiteside who is not running the routes correctly more often than not, um, mm-hmm. you know, and it's Greg Ward who's able to get open, even though the guy's an undrafted former quarterback um, who had to learn how to play wide receivers. So, you know, you can't put everything on Howie Roseman, but this is part of it that, that, you know, when they, when they built that Super Bowl team, they did it in a very specific way. They did it knowing that Carson Wentz was on his rookie contract, and they had a lot of money under the salary cap to play with. So they could sign veteran players to short, relatively expensive contracts or trade draft picks for them and try to win right away because you've got a young quarterback who's cheap. So let's go out and sign Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith and trade for Timmy Jernigan and sign Chris Long, and we'll, we'll make a run for it now. And that was smart, and it worked. It worked so well that they didn't even need Wentz to play in the Super Bowl to win the championship. But once you get to the point past that and you know you're going to have to pay Wentz to keep him here and, and pay him a salary commensurate with other elite quarterbacks around the league, you've got to be able to put young, cheap talent around him who can contribute. Look at the Seahawks players who were, who, you know, they were lining up against them. You know, most of those guys are, are Seahawks draft picks, some of them not particularly high picks. And the Eagles are counting on guys who they either signed from other teams uh, or are bringing back. I mean, gosh, Jordan Matthews played like 95% of the offensive snaps on Sunday. You're bringing back Jay Ajayi because you know that he's familiar with your offense. That's, that's an indication that you haven't developed enough young talent. You haven't drafted well enough to be able to put those guys in there and have them play and kind of keep things going. Well, let's hope they win these next three games against these inferior teams and make that Dallas game interesting at any rate. 
right, Mike, I want to switch and talk a little basketball. Right after the Sixers coughed one up to the Raptors in Toronto last night, the Raptors scoring the last 10 points of the game, we know what Joel Embiid, the kind of night he had, you tweeted about Embiid and Ben Simmons. Clearly you're still concerned about both of those guys. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm concerned. About, look, and let me preface this by saying they're both terrifically talented players, and they're young, and they're going to grow. But here's the thing that concerns me. The things that we entered the season wondering about and being concerned about with respect to those two players are, to this point, still very much concerns. Ben Simmons will not take even an elbow jump shot. And go back and rewatch that final couple of minutes of last night's game against the Raptors. You know, the pass that he throws away, that alley-oop, quasi-alley-oop, he tries to throw to Tobias Harris. Watch how far away the Raptors' defenders are from him. Now, maybe he gave it away that he was going to pass the ball, but you can't tell me that those guys, at least on a subconscious level, know he is not going to either take a jump shot or go to the basket in that situation because he doesn't want to go to the foul line. He doesn't want to take a jumper because he knows he'll miss it, and he doesn't want to go to the foul line because he doesn't trust himself enough to make those free throws in a tough spot. As for Embiid, you know, he to me looks like the same player he has been. And by that I mean he is incredibly talented, but his body doesn't look any different, and he's not playing in a way that suggests he's honing his game. And I think part of that comes down to, as I mentioned in the tweet, conditioning. You know, Marcus Gasol is an excellent defensive center, but you've got to be able to body him at least a little bit in the post. And you've got to be able to get around him, either through you know superior speed or a little bit more strength. And I don't see Embiid's body as being any different now than it was last year or the year before that. I, I don't see the refinement in his game that both just sheer practice and honing of your game uh, would bring or that superior training would bring. And you know that doesn't mean he's exhausted by the end of the second quarter. It means that He's just not precise in what he's doing, and he's been that way all season. And, uh, you know, that's, that's my concern. You know, everything else is kind of supplementary and secondary to those two guys. And if they don't take the steps forward they need to take, this team isn't going to go where it wants to go. Well, Mike, to follow up on that, uh, in today's NBA, if you can't make three-point shots as a team, there's a chance you're going to be in trouble. And this team is not very good at it, at least at this point in the season. How important do you think it is to either – Find somebody that can consistently hit threes, similar to J.J. Redick, or do they have a chance if they can't? Well, that, that gets to what I'm, kind of the heart of the problem as far as I'm concerned, Bill, which is that if, if Ben Simmons isn't going to shoot at all from you know, 10 feet out, then spacing is going to be a problem. That's part of the reason that J.J. Redick was so essential to what they did was because you didn't need to free him very much for him to be open and be able to make three-point shots. He's one of the best three-point shooters the league has ever seen. They don't have a team like that. Tobias Harris isn't quite that guy. And I think he's struggling in part because Simmons and Embiid haven't taken those steps forward because it's easier to slough off of Simmons and Embiid and go get Harris and go get some of these other guys who aren't as proficient from the three-point arc. If Simmons were an actual threat on the perimeter in any regard, if Embiid were, willing, were able to play down low or, or even shoot a little bit better from the outside, then those guys would have more space. They would get better shots. They would probably make a higher percentage of those shots. But because Simmons and Embiid haven't taken that step forward yet, it's harder for those you know, uh, secondary you know, supporting players 
um, to get the looks that you need to get. I think Tobias Harris is a good player, but you've got to give him a little more room. You've got to create a little more space for him, and they're not doing that right now. Hey, Mike, your very first visit with us a little over four years ago, you spoke at length about your journalism mentor, the great Bill Lyon. We lost Bill about 10 days ago, and you wrote a heartfelt eulogy about him for the Inquirer. Now, for those who didn't get to read that, if you don't mind, tell us again a, a little bit about Bill Lyon and what he meant to you personally. Sure. Um, well, I mean, Bill was the, the lead sports columnist for the Inquirer, gosh, from, uh, what was it, about 38 years or so. Um, uh, he had the job that I have now, and, um, you know, his work speaks for itself. I mean, to me, he was the best sports writer and sports columnist Philadelphia's ever had. Um, and what he meant to me was, gosh, I, I can't even imagine where I would be in this business or in my professional life without him. Um, I was in college back in 1995, and I'd grown up reading him in the Inquirer. I wrote him a letter um, basically you know, asking if you have any advice that you could give a college kid who wants to you know, become a sports writer, could you just like scribble it on a table napkin and send it to me in this self-addressed stamp envelope? And he never did that. He never uh, wrote back to me. What he did instead was he called me, looked my name up in directory assistance, called me up, uh, asked me if I wanted to shadow him to a Phillies-Dodgers game on a Friday night. Um, as it turned out, it was this amazing game. It was uh, the, the first game that Hideo Nomo pitched in Philadelphia, and Greg Jeffries hit for the cycle, and Jeff Juden threw a complete game at a grand slam. It was this incredible night. And I got to shadow Bill um, all throughout the game and watch him work. And uh, from that night, uh, formed a you know a friendship, a mentor-mentee relationship that lasted just about a quarter century. And he welcomed me into his family, and I welcomed him into mine. And he was just the best. He was just the best. And uh, you know, it's um, what he did over the last few years of his life. You know, writing and documenting his fight against Alzheimer's and dementia, and uh, yeah. continuing to write through that was just uh, amazing. I mean, he was he was so courageous and showed such vulnerability at the same time that, uh, you know, it was a testament to who he was. Mm -hmm. Hey, Mike, and I thought it was really interesting, too. Uh, I'll call him an old-timer just because we can have fun with uh, mm -hmm. Frank Fitzpatrick because he's, he's been with us quite a few times also. But uh, the admiration that Bill had from the guys like Frank and all the way through the more younger guys, uh, to me, really was another true testament of what kind of guy he was. Yeah, I mean, the thing about him, though, which you had to see him work to appreciate was he was so fast as a writer. It was amazing to see. Those columns that he would write would take him between 30 and 45 minutes most of the time. And wow. while most of us – yeah, while most of us you know, had to go down our locker room and really report out what we, were, what we wanted to write about, get some scene, get quotes, get all those things – he had it all in his mind's eye. He didn't necessarily need those things. He could do them. He could do that if he needed to and when he needed to, um, but he didn't have to. And, and one of the other things that I really admired about him um, was the way that he saw stories and saw what was in front of him. This hasn't been mentioned much, but one of the things I, I, I always think of was back in the late 1990s when I got my start covering high school sports in Bucks County, for the Intelligencer, I ended up covering um, the Central Bucks West High School football team when they were winning state championships every year. And Bill would go to those championship games in Hershey and write columns about CB West. And he didn't consider that beneath him. He just thought it was an incredibly great story that this 
this school in Bucks County, you know, won 59 straight games and all these state championships and was the best high school football program in the entire state of Pennsylvania. He didn't, he was as, as happy covering that and writing about that and finding the drama in that as he was in an Eagles game or a Sixers game or the Masters. And again, that speaks to how he approached the job and, and what kind of man he was. Awesome. Well, Mike, you survived another visit with us, and because it's your 10th visit, I was going to give you a certificate for a free hoagie at Wawa, but, you know, you, you're persona non grata there, so as you know, on your Twitter, bro. I would it up and throw it in your face, Chet. <laughs> in, in, all serious, in all seriousness, though, Mike, how much feedback did you get, pro and con, about your 4th of July rant against the Wawa hoagie? It was the most read. It, it is... It is, remains, and probably will be the most read column I wrote this year. I got twice as many hits on the website, the Inquire.com website for it, as I did anything else. Um, and in terms of feedback, it was uh, it was kind of split down the middle. Um, there were a lot of people who told me, "Thank you for saying that." It's like you know, "Thank you for saying the thing that we think but are too afraid to say." And then I got a lot of other people who took it as like uh, I was being disloyal to the Philadelphia area or something like that. So, um, but yeah, I got a ton of feedback on it. People take their hoagies very seriously around here. Absolutely. (laughs) All right, Michael. Hey, as always, we appreciate you coming by. Great stuff and uh, good luck and happy Thanksgiving to you and the family. You too, guys. Thanks so much for having me. All right. With the holiday shopping season kicking into high gear, keep the Irish Rover Station House in mind as you're out and about on Black Friday. They do this every year, the day after Thanksgiving at the Irish Rover, their annual Black Friday gift card sale from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. When you buy a $50 gift card, they'll give you a $10 card. Good deal. Don't forget the Rover has great food, always 24 beers on tap, a DJ every Friday night, and live music on Saturday nights. This weekend, Saturday night, the 30th, it's the great band Shameless. And mark your calendar for Thursday, December 19th, the Rover's annual Ugly Sweater Party. Of course, I'll be there. I got lots of ugly sweaters. The Irish Rover's on Bellevue (laughs) Avenue in Langhorne and on the web at (laughs) irishroverstationhouse.com. Hi, football fans. This is Merrill Reese, and you're listening to Bill and Chet on Philly Press Box Radio. It's good. Hey, Chet, the Christmas season is beyond upon us, and we're holding a holiday sale on all of our Philly Press Box Radio shirts. Yes, we are, Bill. It is the holiday season, and hey, who doesn't love a good sale? And this is a great one. Now through Christmas. We're going to sell off our existing inventory, if we can, of our Philly Press Box Radio T-shirts at our cost. I put it up on our website today. I'll promote it again tomorrow. But if you go to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, you'll see the little story that goes with the ad. And the deal is the shirts are available in unisex sizes, medium through 3XL, and you can choose from regular for $10 or dry fit, $12. And those are both $5 off the price we've been charging since last spring. Add two bucks if you need a 2XL or 3XL. The regular material shirts are cotton polyester, while dry fit are 100% polyester. Our green logo shirt, our green logo rather, is on the front of the shirt, and our sponsor's logos are on the back. 
You can choose from green, gray, or black background and specify you know, whether you want regular material or dry fit. If you need them shipped, add $7 for one or 10 bucks if you're ordering two. They make a great gift for a Philly, a Philly sports fan. And again, it's just 10 bucks for the regular material shirts, 12 bucks for dry fit. Um, keep in mind, we do have a few red logo shirts available too, but keep in mind the sale is limited to the shirts that we have in stock. We're not ordering any new ones for now. Just message one of us, Bill Furman or Jim Chesko, in case you've forgotten, on Facebook, or you can click on the Contact Us tab in the upper right-hand corner of our phillypressboxradio.com website. Pick out a shirt at a great price, and happy holidays. Very good. And, and yeah, you're right. We do have some of the red um, and then the black and red and the gray and red in regular and dry fit also, Chet. And uh, I would say we probably have about six dozen available. So let's let's get rid of them. Move them on out. Good, yeah. Good Christmas present. I like it. You know it. Yep. All right. Well, hey, Chet, let's talk Flyers. Another impressive win last night beating the Vancouver Canucks. Two to one at the Wells Fargo Center. An outstanding effort defensively. I believe there was only 17 total shots for the Canucks. Uh, if this team could figure out how to stay away from shootouts, they'd be in good shape. They are not our friend. Yeah, they did so well a few weeks back. I guess they won like three shootouts in a row, but now over the past week and a half or so, they've lost two or three. And we've already talked about how much you love the shootouts, but we don't need to go into that again. Uh, a loss <laughs> is a loss. You do get a point at least, and so they've stayed in most of these games, which is a good thing. Uh, and as I mentioned at the top, great to see Jake Voracek starting to uh, get his swagger back, as he put it, with a couple of goals and an assist over the last two games, because they need him. They need him and Giroux to uh, you know, contribute. Giroux had that four-point game last week. So... I'd still like to see a little more offense about from everybody, though, because, you know, one or two goals a game total is not going to cut it most nights. So hopefully they're on the way. Well, and, you know, uh, we talked last week about Morgan Frost making his debut. He gets two goals in his first two games. Uh, comes another game, makes a defensive mistake. Um, doesn't get an opportunity to play late in the game. Doesn't get on the ice in overtime. and doesn't get in the shootout. What do you think of that for a lesson learned for a young kid? Yeah, what's up with that? You've been watching them more closely than I. Has his play slackened off a little bit? Has he, you know, slumped from the the great two-game starter? What's going on there? No, no, he's had opportunities. He's been uh, he's been a key part of the offense and trying to make some things happen, but uh, he made a defensive blunder, and uh, I, I was really surprised. Uh, you know, certainly, you know, maybe you give him a couple minutes to think about it, but a, a guy like him is going to be an, a, a chance to be an offensive explosion. And uh, you sit him in a three-on-three overtime situation. What a great time to have him on the ice. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Meanwhile, Shane Gostisbehere looks like he's uh, going into the doghouse again. It happened a couple of times under Hackstall. And now uh, I guess he sat out a game or maybe even two, I don't know, uh, under yeah, last night AB. Ah, there you go. So, yeah, twice. Yeah. So what's going on there? Is he uh, falling out of favor with the coach, uh, not you know doing what he's supposed to? What's happening there? Yeah, just just not playing well. And uh, you know, his first thing happened, he got demoted off the number one power play. Uh, so you know, it was a gradual thing, and it, it basically he worked himself right out of a job. And he's now he's now a healthy scratch every night or two nights in a row. So, um, I, you know, we talked about this last year. 
with these guys that, you know, once the season starts, there's not a lot of time to practice. Uh, you know, it's game, game, day off, game, day off. And, you know, there's a practice day in between. But when you're having some trouble, it's hard to get yourself organized and, and back in business when you only have one day in between games to actually practice. Yeah, I agree. That, that is an issue. Um, well, you know, anyway, there's still a long way to go, and hopefully Goss will get it back together again. He's been an up-and-down guy his whole career. What's he in his fourth year now? So hopefully he'll get things figured out. And uh, I'd like to see this team in the playoffs. You know that, Bill. And with Carter Hart there, I think they have a chance. Yeah, well, he was he was outstanding again last night. He didn't get tested a whole lot, like I said. With, I believe it was 17 was the final shot number. But uh, yeah. He, he sat there with not much to do, and then in, with about eight seconds or 12 seconds, whatever it was, he had to make a 10-bell save, and he was there to get it done. So uh, Carter Hart is going to be the guy as well. And, uh, you know, I, we always look – or I always look at this, the, the goals for and goals against differential, and right now the Flyers are at zero, 72 goals, 72 goals against, and the four teams above them have more goals differential and uh, three teams below them have less differential so they're right in the middle and they've got to improve on goal scoring as much as anything i agree and by the way uh what a great interview that was with mike sealski that we had he is just so good great to talk to mike and in about five minutes we're going to hear from debbie calton of mgk and as i said that's a it's a pre-taped interview but it's very entertaining so stay tuned for that yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to that uh followed debbie for a long time she's been around a long time uh, but interesting that uh, 36 years and she'd get ready to hang it up, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, she's about our age, and, uh, you know, I'm thinking about hanging it up, too, at some point, but not quite yet, Bill. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> Me neither. All right. Well, hey, Chad, if you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we've got the spot for you, Allstate Insurance of Westchester, PA. Yes, sir. One of the best benefits of having an Allstate Insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoy who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs, someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what is most important to you and your family. Call Dave Lavoy at Allstate in Westchester, PA, today, 610-430-0700. Again, the number is 610-430-0700. Hey, Chet, we talked about the Sixers a little bit, winning four out of five after last night's loss in Toronto, and uh, a little bit more about that Joel Embiid. Uh, what else are you making of the Sixers at this point? They're, they're just inconsistent. Uh, they don't look like the team I think we thought we were going to see. No, but, you know, I did – I'm going to pat myself on the back here. I said when we did our little Sixers preview show back in, uh, I guess, mid-October, that it might take some time for everybody to gel. And Brett Brown has said that, too. He said you might not see them really gelling until around Christmas time. And I think we're seeing that. We're seeing still way too many turnovers. We're seeing, you know, guys not always spaced properly on the court – um, Simmons has usually been pretty good handling the ball, but he was a little sloppy last night, especially down the end. And one of the problems in past years has been closing out games where they have the lead, and we're still seeing that on occasion this year, including last night when they were up by five points with four minutes to go, 
and they never scored again. Toronto scored the last 10 points. So it wasn't just Embiid who had the horrible night not scoring a point. It was Simmons making some dumb plays in the last few minutes, a, a bad pass that got stolen, as Mike alluded to, and then you know rushing the shot with still six seconds on the clock when they needed a three to tie, and he had a guy open in the corner. So some of it's on the coach. I, I will say that, Brett Brown, but a lot of it's just dumb play on the part of these players, and I'm hoping they do figure it out, as Brett Brown said, maybe by Christmas time. Because, I mean, we know they're going to be in the top half of the Eastern Conference, but – the higher seed you are, the more your opportunity is going to be to advance. So let's hope they do get it figured out real soon. Well, they certainly need to because uh, they're, they're, the up and down is not going to get it, that's for sure. Hey, Chad, yep. I want to flip a subject, different subject to you before we get to talk about Debbie Calton. The NFL uh, put out their semifinal Hall of Fame list. Uh, it's down to 25 semifinalists. There are no Eagles remaining on the list unless you count Ricky Waters who played just a couple of years here and uh, of course we have uh, you know, where, where did his name go? Uh, Sam Mills Sam Mills, a local guy is on this list for the third time uh, what do you think of no Eagles making the list? I gotta be honest, I didn't study the list so I forget who was even on there as uh, you know the, the original candidates. Was Seth Joyner on there again? Who else was even on there? Seth Joyner, Eric Allen was on there. Uh, Donovan. They were they were the main two. Donovan McNabb was on there. Yeah. Uh, there are actually speaking of Donovan McNabb, there are no quarterbacks on this list of twenty five. Really? Wow, nope. that's strange. Steve Atwater. By the way, Steve Atwater is his ninth time as a semifinalist and uh, has never gotten, never gotten the call. So, <laughs> wow. But oh, well. yeah, uh, John Lynch, John Lynch up for the eighth time every year from 2013 through the present. Uh, John Lynch is on here, but not, uh, we'll see if he gets the call. I certainly, you know, I certainly think he should. Yeah, I know. And by the way, thank you for not bringing up the fact that Penn state lost to Ohio state on Saturday. We don't need to talk about that. Well, we are going to maybe get to that at the end if we're if we have time. But hey, okay. let's jump over. You had a chance to visit with our Philly non-sports radio legend recently, in Debbie Calton, and uh, tell us about it. Debbie's been an institution on Philly radio since 1983, Bill, but she is calling it quits very soon, early December. And as I noted at the top, I worked down the hall from Debbie in the mid-90s when I was doing weekend news at the old 950 AM WPEN, the big band station at the time it was. And she was doing a Saturday morning shift at MGK shortly after she started there. One of the best in the business. And here is our chat, Bill, which I promise is very entertaining. I'm Debbie Calden. It's great to be here at the new Magic 102.9. Philadelphia is not only a city with a rich music history, it's a city with a long history of fantastic radio DJs. And I'm honored to be joined by one of the very best right now. She's been at 102.9 WMGK the past 26 years, 10 years at WISP before that. Debbie Calden. Hey, Debbie. Wow, when you say it like that, Chet, it, it makes me feel really old. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. All right, Debbie, let's see how much ground we can cover in 10 minutes or so. We think okay. of you as a longtime Philadelphian, which you are, but you weren't born in Philly. Where are you from? How did you wind up in Philadelphia in 83? 
Okay. Well, my dad was in the Air Force, so I moved all over when I was growing up. My parents were from North Carolina, so I kind of considered that my home base, although I certainly have lived in Philadelphia longer than I've lived anywhere else. I ended up here. I was working at a station in Chicago, and as often happens in radio, they were bought, sold, everybody got canned or left, and I had friends who came here to Philadelphia, and I thought, well, maybe I'll just go and see what Philadelphia is all about, too. Or I was going to meet with program director at the time at WMMR. When I got into town, he happened to have been called away. There was such a competitive nature, MMR and YSP at the time, that YSP heard I was in town for an interview. They said, come over here, we'll hire you. So that's how I ended up here. I could have been an MMR all these years. Who knew? And the rest is history. <laughs> Indeed. Now, Debbie, because I'm talking to you for our Philly Press Box radio podcast, I need to ask, have you adopted any or all of the Philadelphia sports teams, any one you root for more than others? I was just in Punicana, and we were there for the Eagles game on Sunday, and we had all of the TVs in every single bar and every single place that had a TV turned to the Eagles game. So, yes, and I'm very happy to have been here with the Super Bowl and all of that. So, love the Phillies. Yeah, I what can you say? Philadelphia is such a huge sports town. I was never really a sports person, but I became one here. I got you. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you've had the same midday shift at MGK since the mid-90s. You've been doing the noontime Nuggets feature every day forever almost. That's pretty uncommon in this often fickle radio business. You know, I wanted to look into that. I haven't done research yet. It possibly is one of, if not the longest-running feature, you know, by the same name on Philadelphia Radio. I don't know for sure. I actually, at YSP, I took it over from Randy Cotts. It started when he was on the air there. And then when I came to MGK, YSP still had the rights to the name, so we called it the 70-minute lunch hour here for a while until the name rights were released, and then it became noontime nuggets here again. So it did have, like, a few years where it wasn't on the air. But, yeah, it it's a very long-running feature. Yep. Now, you and MGK made a big announcement a few months back. You are retiring as of I December am. 6th after yes. 26 years behind the mic. There's a big question. Why, Debbie? Why? <laughs> There's no particular reason at this point in time because this is the best job I could ever have. I mean, people are like, where are you going to go? It's like, why would I go anywhere else? I mean, I've got the best job right here. I'm just ready to have a little bit more free time. My husband's a touring musician. I'd like to be able to go out on the road with him a little bit without having to worry about how much vacation time I have. I have a lot of different family things that I'm going to be able to help out with. So, you know, we'll see. And I also do stained glass. I'm looking forward to spending more time with stained glass. Nice. And I heard you have a lot of books lined up to read, which is nice. <laughs> I do. Oh, you were listening today. I heard. You? Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of your husband, Chip, is it true that you met him at a radio station promotion? I did. Yes. I was uh, working at YSP at the time. I was uh, the promotions assistant as well as doing a part-time air shift. And I was blowing up all these balloons. He was a guitar player in the band. And he came over and was like, there's an easier way to do that. So yeah, that was back in probably 84. We've been married almost 31 years now. So yeah. Wow. Hey, <laughs> as you mentioned, the radio station very recently sent you down to Punta Cana. You actually did your daily air shift from there at a Hard Rock Hotel, sunny and 80 degrees most days while you were there. I'm sure that was a tough gig, Debbie. You know, and I got to tell you, while I was there, I'm thinking, why am I retiring from this job? <laughs> <laughs> when I'm offered a live broadcast like this, that was actually probably the greatest parting gift that I could have ever been given. That came about really quickly, and they said, would you be willing to go, you know, in your last couple of weeks here? I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. All right. Something really cool that MGK and you have been doing the last few weeks on the station's website is 30 Days of Debbie. Lots of great stories from you and memorable interviews you did, some crazy phone calls you've taken. I was laughing out loud at the guy who had all sorts of trouble hearing you telling the name of the door song, Soul, uh, the Soul Kitchen. Soul Kitchen one. <laughs> What's it called? Soul Kitchen. Sarah Kicking? No. Soul, S-O-U-L, Kitchen. 
Soul Kitchen. S-A-U-L? No, S-O-U-L, <laughs> like your heart and soul, Soul Kitchen. Oh, Soul Kicking. No, Kitchen, <laughs> like a place where you cook, Kitchen. Soul Cooking. No. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that yeah. Right. And you admitted to sort of stalking Jackson Brown. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a lot of experiences with him over the years, and to my great chagrin, he never seems to remember me. I always like, remember that time? It was like, Ugh. But, um, yeah, a lot of good stories there, and it's been so much fun. I have to say a lot of these things I had on cassette, so I've had to transfer all kinds of files you know, from cassette to digital. Yeah. And it's been really, really fun to go back and listen to all these tapes that have been sitting in a box in a closet for years. And this was actually one of these 30 Days Things uh, feature. Artists frequently do station IDs or personalized IDs for jobs. Did you have a favorite? Out of all those, to have Grace Slick say my name was way up there, way, way up there, absolutely. And Patty Smith, that was huge. This is Patty Smith on the road in Finland wishing Debbie Calton congratulations on 25 great years at MGK. Congratulations, Debbie. Yeah, I mean, she even stretched it out a little bit. It was really nice. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say Alice Cooper saying. You're listening to that hot little Debbie Calton on Philadelphia's number one classic rock station, 102.9 MGK. Well, that's always fun, too. <laughs> <laughs> now, is it true John Entwistle of The Who insisted on being in a bathtub when you interviewed him? Yeah, that was in Denver. like, yeah, I'll do your interview, but you have to do it in the bathtub. I'm like, what? And, you know, it was very innocuous. I mean, it was no water or anything like that, clothes <laughs> on and everything, but that was just sort of his quirky sense of humor. And I sure wish, there are no pictures, there were no cell phones back then, so there are no right. pictures and there's no audio from that, but I'd love to be able to find that. Hmm. Now, this is pretty cool. You became a Grammy winner seven years ago. Explain. <laughs> Well, I can't really say I'm the Grammy winner. I was a part of a Grammy-winning project, uh, but it was the album all about bullies, big and small. I was asked to do a couple of reads of some poems that were included on the album, and it just so happened that year the topic of bullying was very, very prominent in the uh, national, you know, it, it was gaining national attention. And so the album itself was nominated for the Grammy, and we thought, well, this would be really fun to go out there just to hear the name called out. And then when they said that it won, and I went up on stage with, I don't know, probably about 10 other people, and I could never have imagined in a million years that I'd find myself on stage at the Grammys. Pretty awesome. All right, yeah. Debbie, let's finish up our chat with a game of Fast Five. Five questions, five simple answers. Try to keep them brief so we can get them all in, okay? Okay. All right. Number one, your old pal, also a Philly radio legend, Anita Gevinson, wrote a tell-all book a few years back. Might we one day see a Debbie Calton penned book? Uh, not quite as tell-all as hers. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. You've, of course, been to a slew of concerts. What's the best one you've been to over the past 10 years? The past 10 years? Oh, gosh. Probably every Bruce Springsteen concert. Uh, Stones for me in 2013. Well, you know, and the Stones this last time was pretty cold, too. But uh, that's a tough question, Chet. Not fair. I know, I know. Number three, what was the craziest radio promotion you were involved in? Oh, my gosh. I was just talking about this on 30 Days of Debbie. We did something we call Beatlestock, Mm -hmm. where we pretended that the Beatles were reuniting for a concert, like on the level of a Woodstock kind of thing. And we did that all day long. We completely stayed in character, sound effects, and we had a map even in the studio so we could all refer to the same layout and people were calling all day long it's like wait the Beatles got back together where is this how can I get tickets <laughs> so I'd have to say we pulled it off that's pretty awesome number four Philly's four major sports teams all have mascots the Fanatic Swoop Franklin and Gritty who's your favorite oh I love the Fanatic personal close personal friend I got gotcha. you 
And number five, Debbie, you're retiring, so you can fess up. What artist or song have you had to play hundreds or thousands of times over the past 26 years that you'll be happy to never play again? Most Billy Joel songs. Really? (laughs) (laughs) I don't care what you say anymore. This is my life. Uh, You know what? I shouldn't say that. American Pie. I'll be all right if I don't have to hear American Pie again. (laughs) Okay. And a bonus question. I know you really appreciate all of your listeners. What would you say to them as your time on Philadelphia Radio winds down here? That they have been a part of my family all these years. That's what I'm going to miss the most is talking to them every day. Debbie Calton, as I knew it would be, this was a blast. Congratulations on the retirement. Enjoy your holidays, and thanks for visiting Philly Press Box Radio. Oh, thank you, Chad. Very interesting, Chad. How about the bathtub interview? <laughs> well, some of those rockers are crazy, man. <laughs> well, I wasn't sure where that was going to go, and then all of a sudden yeah. it was like, well, he was fully clothed and there was no water. What? what? Yeah, I don't know. Well, John Entwistle, John Entwistle was a quiet guy, but he was a little bit goofy. So there you go. <laughs> Great stuff, and uh, you know, we we talked to a ton of sports people and a ton of media people, and it, that was uh, Debbie belongs right up there near the top. She's been with us a long, long time. Yeah, Debbie's awesome. We wish her the best in retirement. And I wonder if she'll pull like a, a Kiss or a The Who or the Molly Crew and, you know, call it her retirement and then come back in a year or two. You never know. It, it happens in the music business a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, well, I, I'm sure she wouldn't have any trouble getting back to work if, uh, if no, she chose to. No. Nope, we wish her All the best. All right. Well, hey, Chet, let's give out a shout to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC. CC one one eight Raz Room. That's right. PPCC one one eight Raz Room on Facebook. And hey, Ted, just uh, something interesting that they've posted up there uh, right now with a few more spots left is a Joe Paterno signed baseball. You don't find them just anywhere. <laughs> a Joe Paterno signed baseball. Yep, with a full leather of authenticity, and also up there, Chet, <laughs> is a mini helmet. Signed by all five Eagles Hall of Famers with their Hall of Fame year inscription. Bednarik, Van Buren, Pihos, McDonald, and Dawkins. Wow. Very nice. Great item. Have to check that yes, one sir. out. Let's hit the all music. Right. Let's do it. Well, you know what that music is, Chet, which makes it Fred and Butter time. With our fantasy football guru, Fred Hugo, back to break down week 13 of the season. Fred, welcome back. Final week to the playoffs. Final week to the playoffs in most leagues. I was just going to ask you that. Was this the final week for most leagues? And you answered the question. So, yeah, I guess a lot of them do wrap up because you want to get to the playoffs before, you know, week 17 of the NFL season when people are resting and all that. So, all right, Fred, take it away. What you got? So, we got, I clinched a division last week, by the way. I was one and three. I started off, went on wow. a run, clinched a division. Got to brag there. So, anyway, 
Um, I've been talking about him a little bit. He went off last week. If you need a quarterback this week, Sam Darnold's definitely the guy to go to. He's he's uh, the, he's going to put up numbers, and he's matched up against a bad defense. So that's a guy you can grab still off the way with wire. He had like 30-plus last week. I used him myself. Ryan Tannehill looked good last week. And then Jared Goff has looked absolutely awful, but he has a, a solid matchup against a bad defense. He's a guy you want to you could pick up if you want it. And then also another guy who's not been playing too great, Nick Foles. He does have weapons. Um, he can put up some numbers too. I would stay away. It's going to look like Wentz has a good matchup, but based on those receivers he has, I would stay away from Wentz. Um, moving over to running back. Uh, Miles Sanders, this could be a good week for Miles Sanders. It's a great matchup against the Dolphins. They give up a ton of points to fantasy running backs, but you also got to monitor Jordan Howard because if he plays, um, he'll split the carries most likely. Uh, Rashad Penny had a nice run last week. I wouldn't get too disguised by his stats. It was basically one run, so I wouldn't pick him up. And then Jonathan Williams, who we talked about last week uh, on the Colts, had back-to-back 20-point weeks with 100-plus yards. He's still available in about 75% of leagues, and Marlon Mack is out again this week. So if you need a running back, you, you can probably grab him. Moving over to wide receiver, I'm kind of pairing up with the quarterbacks that I said here. Uh, DJ Shark, uh, he, he's a, he's a, been a number one all year. He has a great matchup this week. And then Robbie Anderson's on the waiver wire in 50% of leagues. He's a guy you can pick up. Some other people, Randall Cobb of the Dallas Cowboys, he's kind of had a reemergence of himself. He's getting making plays, especially in point-per-perception leagues. He's a guy that if you really need someone in a pinch, you might be able to grab, even though Buffalo's D is decent. And then A.J. Brown, the rookie wide receiver, had a had a day last week. He's a guy you might want to take to uh, pick up if you need someone here. Uh, tight end-wise, Gerald Everett of the Rams. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals just give up a ton of points to tight ends, no matter who it is. I don't know if the Rams may use – they look like they some targets – to Tyler Higby over Everett, but Everett is the number one tight end. I would go with him if you need a tight end. And then also Kyle Rudolph matched up against the Seattle Seahawks. They also give up a ton to the tight end. You even saw that with Ertz this week. We couldn't really move the ball, but Ertz had a day fantasy-wise. And defensively, the Eagles defense has been playing well, and then they also have a great matchup against the Dolphins offense. So that's a defense that, that you can probably pick up and start if they're available as well as the Jets matched up against the Bengals. And then the Panthers, I really like the Panthers matched up against the Redskins. So that's what I have for, for fantasy this week. All right. All right. Good stuff. Well, let's get to our picks. Uh, we, we've got a few extras in here, so we've got five games to pick. So, Chet, how did we do last week? What are the st- um, standings? And then we'll get to our five games. Well, Bill, you have not cracked under pressure, not yet anyway. You went 4-1 and one last weekend while both Fred and I were 3-2. and two. The season standings, Bill remains in the top spot at 31-15. and 15. Fred is now two games back, not just one anymore, and I'm now three games off the pace. So, uh, Bill, you're threatening to make some distance here, and I don't like that. Just five weeks left on the schedule. Well, and there's five games th- this week, though, and there are some good ones here, so... Uh, we'll see how this goes, but I like the view from where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Week 13, let's start out with some Thanksgiving football. Bills at the Cowboys. Cowboys minus seven. Sunday, we have the Redskins visit the Panthers. Panthers minus 10. 
The Packers visit the Giants. Packers minus six and a half. We have two bonus games this week. Browns at the Steelers. Browns minus one and a half. And 49ers at the Ravens. Ravens minus six. And, of course, we have the Eagles heading to Miami to face the Dolphins. The Birds are minus nine. So, Fred, let's get it started. Bills at the Cowboys. Cowboys minus seven. Who do you like? The Cowboys have not beaten a team with a winning record. The Bills are eight and three. Sean McDermott has that, that hate in his heart from being around here. They're eight-point dogs, seven or eight-point dogs, I think I saw. But I'm taking the Bills outright over the Cowboys wow. on Thanksgiving. Well, I'm in the position of hoping that you're right, but I'm picking Dallas here. There's a lot of uh, things going on down there. Jason Garrett, you know, fighting to keep his job now. They need this win. They're home. It's Thanksgiving. I'm taking the Cowboys, hoping I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm taking the Cowboys, too, and, and I was going to say the same thing. Uh, Jason Garrett's back is against the wall. Jerry Jerry put him on notice uh, after that flood they had in New England. Uh, I, I'm going to say Dallas rises to the occasion and beats Buffalo, although I certainly hope not. All right, Redskins, Panthers, Panthers minus 10. Redskins coming off a win. Yeah, I was kind of shocked they won, but I guess it is the Lions. So <laughs> they stink too, as you said last week. Panthers all day here, ten point spread. I I don't see any way the Redskins win. I agree. Washington got their second half of the season win out of the way. They're done. Carolina wins. Absolutely, Carolina wins, and uh, not that Carolina is really any good either, but they're better than the Redskins. All right, Packers visit the Giants. Uh, Packers got shellacked by the 49ers, by the way. Packers minus six and a half. If the Giants can run the ball, they can make it a game. But I just don't. They're not beating Aaron Rodgers. Uh, it's just not happening. They're not losing back-to-back, so Packers. Yeah, Packers all the way here. Giants just are not that good. Green Bay needs to get back on the winning track. I agree. It's got to be Packers. Okay, bonus game. Browns at the Steelers. Uh, Browns. Minus one and a half, just a couple weeks after the free-for-all brawl. Steelers are six and five. Browns are five and six. The game's in Pittsburgh. Who do you like, Fred? The Steelers are starting Hodges. I can't wrap my head around how it's a one-point spread. I would think the Browns would be favored by more. So, based on that shady spread, I'm I'm going to go Steelers for some reason here. I'm, I'm going to pick the Steelers. And, um, yeah, let's go Steelers. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the spread is uh, an issue, and it makes you think. But uh, I just think Cleveland's a better team right now, and it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out with you know what happened just a few weeks ago. But I'm taking Cleveland on the road. Yeah, I'm taking Cleveland on the road too. And uh, Fred, to your point, I think the quarterback situation with the Steelers is is going to be the difference in the game. The Browns, you know, the Browns aren't all that great either, but I, I like them a little better than the Steelers' quarterback situation. Which gets us to the 49ers at the Ravens. This is a this is a good one. This is this is the best game of the week. Ravens minus six to me is a lot of points. 49ers are ten and one. Ravens are nine and two. And at home, who you like, Fred? That was a game. Lamar Jackson, man. That that was that was great. It's it's great how Harbaugh and that staff adjusted. I think you commented that on Facebook somewhere, Bill. But I, I agree. Like they really did adjust. And he he's he's just he looks like Vic. he looks like the second coming of Vic. He really does, but I'm, I like the 49ers defense, and I'm I'm thinking they're going to come up with some kind of game plan to to negate that. 
and I'm, I've been riding the Niners all year, so I'm not stopping now. I'm taking the 49ers. I've picked against the Niners a few times and got burned, and it'll probably happen again, but Baltimore's just playing so well right now. They're home. I'm taking the Ravens in this one. Well, the at-home is something that I thought a lot about, but then I looked around a little bit, and in 11 games, the 49ers have given up 163 points in 11 games. I'm going defense wins championships. I'm going 49ers on the road, and and I think it'll be a great game. And I really like the Ravens. I kind of didn't want to go against them, but the numbers speak for themselves. I'm going Niners. Eagles, Dolphins in Miami. I will be at the game, by the way, man. Hmm. Oh, awesome. That's great. Uh, can we Do we get an easy win this week? <laughs> do we finally no. just get one no. where we can breathe? No. no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I think the Dolphins may, may cover – but I'm going to pick the Eagles to win here. I, we have to win. We have to. We we got a nice little schedule here. We, we, you, we, I'm going to take the Eagles to win. But I'm not as uh, I don't know. I'm not overconfident. Let's say Eagles 34 to seven. Book it. They break out this week. Wow. Well, Eagles will win, and I think they'll cover. But I don't think it's going to be easy. They're going to have. A, I think it's going to be a pretty pretty close game. I'll say maybe. Uh, I'm, I'm just shooting this from my hip. I'm going to go 27-17. Okay. So I guess let me let me give a score then. I'll do uh I'll do 20 to 14. Okay. First. All right. Okay. Let's move along, we'll Bill. let you go and we'll do it uh, again next week. All right. All right. Go birds. See you. Go birds. Jet. Party shot for you. Well, who's coming to Philly Express Fox Radio next week? We forgot that. It's not. Not etched in stone, but by the way, we are moving our show again next week because I got something going on. We're doing our show on Thursday, December 5th, and if all goes well, and I think it will, we will have, are you kidding me, Tom McGinnis, the voice of your Philadelphia 76ers, joining us. Awesome. All right. How about a parting shot real quick? Yeah, with another Thanksgiving upon us, Bill, it's a good time to send out a few thank yous. I've been doing this the last few years. First of all, thank you, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. You both still have issues with your game, but you always give us plenty to talk about. We appreciate that. Go Sixers. Thank you, Matt Klentak and John Middleton. Your farewell to Kapler press conference was a royal mess, but you did then go out and hire Joe Girardi, and it sounds like you're serious about upgrading the Phil's pitching staff. Don't let us down. Thank you, Carter Hart. You've had a few stinkers, but you've also shown that. Finally, the Flyers have a legitimate big-time goalie. We hope he'll be here a long time. No pressure, Carter, but the Flyers haven't won a cup since 1975. I'm not going to thank anybody in the Eagles. They stink this year. A big thank you to our Philly Press Box radio sponsors, Christina and Tracy and the gang at the Irish Rover, Dave Lavoie at Allstate Insurance, the PPCC 118 Raz Room, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, and, of course, our many devoted listeners. Thank you also to all of our wonderful guests. I'm, we're out of time. I can't name them, but you know who you are. Great guests. Much appreciated. And, of course, thanks to Fred Hugo and to you, Bill Furman. We've been doing this for five and a half years, and it is still a blast. Happy Thanksgiving. Yep. Yes, it is. Back at you, to uh, you and your family as well, Mr. Chesco. And let's Wrap thank up, the Mike. special guest, Mike Sielski, Debbie Cowton, and Fred Hugo. And of course, the sponsors that you just mentioned, Chet. So for Jim Chetesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box next Wednesday, December 5th at 7 p.m. You can listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash Radio. Where you can find our podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, and Spotify. Hi, hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and go birds!